What's up, Crossover fam? This is Tammy. We want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. God has been moving in major ways in our community, and we're so glad that you get to be a part of it. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to live out your calling in Christ. Enjoy this week's message. Can y'all hear me say yeah? yeah. All right, there we go, there we go, there we go. Yo, welcome to Crossover ATL. It's a ministry of city takers where we are literally transforming, transforming the city by radically loving our neighbors. So make some noise for our neighbors that are in the building today. Come on, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. I love that I get to look around the room and catch a glimpse of heaven. That's exciting, amen? And listen, if this is your first time here, welcome. We do church a little bit different. We call it Church Remix, but the same spirit is in the building in Jesus' name. Amen? So I started a series called Wildfires. Say wildfires. I mean it, wildfires. And I, I preached last week kind of an overview of the whole series, but today I want to kind of focus on the one that is like a spark. Say spark. Spark is a heat source. That actually brings something that starts the fire. I shared a story with you guys last week, and if you missed it, go back on YouTube and listen to the story. So many people texted me, emailed me, and wanted to know if I got in trouble for starting the fire when I was 14 years old in Miami, Florida. And the answer is yes. Your boy got in trouble, 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 trouble. Anybody ever been in trouble before? Say yeah. Anybody in, been in big trouble before? Say, oh yeah. oh, yeah. Your boy was in big trouble in Miami, Florida. But I shared the scripture, Isaiah 131. It says, a mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together and no one will be able to quench that fire. Right? I talked about us being the spark, us having passion, us being the ambassador. And we, th- that comes through serving, volunteering. That comes through our life being a lifestyle of seeking first the kingdom, a life of loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. But I wanted to focus on the one thing today. I want to focus on the term spark, a.k.a. passion. Anybody got any passion in the room? Two people got passion in the room. When we're worshiping, I love, some, you ever enjoy just watch, people watching? Y'all enjoy people watching? It's just me. Y'all enjoy people watching? Hey, we talk back here, y'all. We talk back, all right? Where, where is the best place to people watch? On the count of three, I want you to say it. One, two, three. I heard airport. That's some good people watching at airport. I also heard this side said Walmart. That's a good place that people watch. After midnight, it gets really good in Walmart. My question to you is, listen, how, how is your passion level for Jesus? Like if it was a scale of 1 to 10, where would you, you don't have to yell it out loud, where would you say you are? Is your passion for Jesus burning strong like a wildfire? Right? If you're honest with yourself, like brutally honest today, on a scale of 1 to 10, say, you know what? Man, I'm probably, you know, somewhere five or six, but I want you to really start to burn for Jesus, right? I want you to really cause a fire that is not being able to be stopped by any man, not being able to be stopped by any human being. And this is what real revival really looks like is when your body, not your body, when when your life is burning, hopefully your body ain't burning. But when your life is burning for Jesus and the fire just starts to consume your neighbors, 
It starts to consume other people whom you are around, who you work with, who you go to school with, who you live with in your neighborhood, wherever God has you to go, even the gas station, y'all. God will use you. Why? Because you're burning for him and you become a light. You become a city set upon a hill. But how, you know, how is your walk with God going? Are you really passionate about him? Have you ever thought about this, that God is actually passionate about you? Like God's passion doesn't equate to our passion. Like God is constantly passionate and in love with you. I love Exodus 34. We we have it up on the screen. It's verse 14. It says, you must worship only the Lord. He is passion or he is passionate. Another word could be translated jealousy about his relationship with you. Now, with y'all, all of us have been in relationships where we've had jealous partners. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. It's not good sometimes, right? But this is not that type of jealousy. This is a jealousy because he wants all of your hearts, all of your attention. But he's a God that will allow you to give other things your attention. Because he wants us to worship the one true God, which is himself. Webster's Dictionary defines passion as this, a great devotion and intense conviction which fuels or motivates one towards compelling action. So if I'm passionate about the things of God, if I'm passionate about Jesus, right, it brings conviction and fuel that motivates me to do something for him. Not out of act to like, hey, man, I'm doing this to be loved. No, I'm doing this because I am loved. Not I'm doing this to be saved. No, I'm doing this because I am saved, and I want other people to know him the way that I know him. Right, Second Timothy says this, therefore I remind you to stir up the gifts of God that are in you. Stirring up something means to like fan that flame, to stoke fire so that the fire gets bigger. Notice that Timothy didn't say that you need like a new gift. I remind you to stir up the gift. Right, the gift is already in you. Jesus put the gift in you when you were in your mother's womb. Right? You don't have to pray for a new gift. You have to pray that God reveals the gift to you. It doesn't say a new gift, but rather spark or reignite the one that you already have. We all are carrying gifts from God. We have, to, we have to stir those things up inside of us. Paul was telling Timothy to get out the mud, to get out the muck, to get out the mire. Right? In a return as a mighty child of God. Like, Timothy, you already have it. You can put your name right in there. Like, Scott, you already got it. I just want to stir something up in you. A roaring fire will only continue if you stir up the wood and stir up the coals that are already on fire. I could put coals in the barbecue all day long, but I ain't cooking nothing unless I cause a spark. But once that coals get going, you could continue to add more coals or you could continue to soak the fire and the fire will get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. But how is your spiritual life? Does it need to be stoked? Do you need to add some more fuel 
or does it need to be sparked altogether? The Apostle Paul was passionate, but he was also threatened at times when he refused to let any circumstance or challenge or crisis take him out. I love this verse. This is one of my life verses, y'all. If you can follow this verse, trust me, your mindset will be different when you're walking through a lot of storms. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, it says this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. You ever been there before? Under so much pressure that you feel like you just cannot endure this? It says, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. On him we have set our hope. Praise God for that, y'all. Like, I can't rely on the way I think and the way I feel. I need that spark of God that's going to get through the things of this world. Get me through the pressures. Get me through the fear. Get me through the anxieties. Get me through all of this stuff that I'm walking through. God will cause a spark in us. You ever did a birthday outside before? A birthday party and try to light candles outside when the wind's blowing or the storm is coming? You ever done that before? And you're lighting candles, and you're trying to get the candles lit, but you got to, like, put your hand there. And then you ever, you ever been there before where you're like, all right, I need, y'all, I need y'all three to stand right here, and then you try to light the candles. The whole goal is just to, to light the candles so that the kids or somebody can blow out the candles, but you can't because the spark keeps being extinguished. And just like being outside when we have birthday parties, there's certain elements that will kill our spark. Because the enemy in this world doesn't want us to shine, doesn't want us to be on fire. And so today, in this message, I want to talk about seven spark extinguishers or passion destroyers. And which of these seven are destroying your passion for Jesus? And I believe that as you see these things, I want to encourage everybody to write notes down and write scriptures down because I want to reignite something in your life. The first First, passion killer an unclear purpose. Like, I don't know what my purpose is, so I just wake up every day and just go about doing life. But when you have no goal, when you have no purpose, you don't know what you're going to hit. You're just aimlessly living life when God has given every single one of us a purpose. Here, let me just tell you what your purpose is. You ready for it? Say yeah. Your purpose is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, Period. Period. We're called to make disciples of who? Not us, Jesus. We don't need to get people to follow us. We need to get people to follow Jesus. We need to, get, we need to teach people his word. Isaiah 49.4 says this, I've labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain for nothing. I don't want to be like that. I don't want you to be like that. A lot of us have wasted a lot of T-I-M-E in our life. A lot of us have wasted a lot of days, a lot of weeks, a lot of months, a lot of years. But I don't have that much time left. Like, I don't know when the Lord is going to take me home. I want to live every day on purpose. And if that's you, say amen. Amen. But I'm concerned that a lot of believers live like in past purposes. There's a reason why we play testimonies every week at church. There's a reason why we share what God is doing in the context of the church 
Because a lot of us are living off yesterday's testimony. A lot of us are li living off, you know, you know what I'm saying, like wh what God did years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And praise God for what he did 20, 30 years ago. But what is God doing now? What is God doing in your heart now? I suggest to you that God isn't concerned so much about our past purpose. He's concerned about our now purpose. We're still living out old victories, old successes. But listen, we burn out living off yesterday's passions. We burn out living off yesterday's fuel. I drive a Ford F-150, and that bad boy takes a lot of gas. And I drive that thing every single day. But if I don't put gas in that thing, like every three days, that truck is going to be on the side of I-75, and it will not be good. We burn out. We stall. We stop. But God wants us to live with spark, with fire. And we got to understand what our purpose is, purpose is. Now, there might not be a cure for the common colds, but there is a cure for the common church. Y'all want to hear what it is? Y'all ready for it? Say yeah. It's compassion for the hurting. Unashamed of biblical truth. Relationships are priority. Enriched worship in the things of God. And worship goes way beyond just singing some songs. You see, purpose creates passion for God. No purpose, no passion. No purpose, no spark. Is your walk with the Lord diluted? Is somebody really pouring into your life, and are you pouring into somebody else's life? Is it derailed? Is it dimmed? Or do you see other people, you know, dry, dull? Maybe your walk with the Lord is dead. It doesn't have to be that way. To begin to line your life up with the cure, you have to have clear purpose. And you have to say to yourself, you know what? I am a disciple maker. I want, I want us to say this together. Say, I am a disciple maker. That's, that's your purpose. Now, how you do that doesn't really matter. Those things change. Those are methods. You might say, yo, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I, I, I hold doors. It doesn't really matter how you do that. The reality is you are a disciple maker. You are discipling people in the kingdom, period. The second point is this, an unemployed talent. Ooh, anybody ever been unemployed before? Yeah, it's not fun. It's not good. And sometimes when you're unemployed, you start to get like in this depression because you're not doing nothing. Right? You're just, you're just wasting time. And the best way to get a job, let me, let me just be real with you. The best way to get a job is before you leave another job. Did you know that? The best time to get a job is before you leave another job because you're not, you, you got confidence. Say confidence. Like you're confident in what you can do. And sometimes when you're unemployed and you're sitting at home on the couch playing video games, you lose that spark. You lose that confidence. 1 Corinthians 7, 17 says that each one should live his life with the gifts that the Lord has given them. You have a gift in you. You can't bury it. You can't ignore it. You can't leave it alone. You actually have to work the gift. You have to jump in the game. You have to sign up for what God is doing 
in your life. I'm going to keep this thing moving because I'm going to try to get through all seven of these. You ready? The third one is this, an unbalanced schedule. You want to lose the spark? You want to lose the flame? Get, let your schedule become super unbalanced. Need I remind you that there is a power struggle over your T-I-M-E. And you better get a hold of your schedule. You better get a hold of your time. You better make God, Jesus, Holy Spirit priority. You better be spending time with him. Otherwise, that spark and that flame will continue to grow duller until it's dead. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Got to stay fit spiritually. And it doesn't happen without taking the time out of your day. Everybody is given the same amount of time. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Because the hungrier you become, the more you seek out food. And if you are spiritually hungry, you will seek out the food of the kingdom. And God is faithful to give you what you need when, you, when you're hungry. The fourth thing this, passion extinguisher, is this, unconfessed sin. Psalm 38.4, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that's too heavy to bear. No one can feel enthusiastic and guilt at the same time. You'll never be passionate for the things of God, yet guilty inside of your heart. You'll never, it'll be fake. And guess what? The world sees fake. Right? And I'm not saying you got to be perfect. None of us are perfect, but we're perfect in him. You hear me? We're perfected in him. These men and women that God used in the Bible, these weren't perfect people. These were broken people. These were people who messed up. These were per people who lived in sin. But God chose them, and he forgave them, and he told them to follow him. Three years he walked with them, taught them the things that he was doing, and then released them to do the same thing. And guess who those 12 people are? They're me and you. He's commissioned us into this world, right? And he's forgiven us of our sins, past, present, and future. Some of us are, are, are so bogged down with unconfessed sin that we're just like, oh, God could never use me. Listen, he wants to use you. But he just wants you to ask him to forgive you of that sin. So he'll wash the sin away. Behold, all things become brand what? New. I like that. I like new things. And he wants to give you a new life, a new heart, a new mind. I could preach just the rest of the time just on that. But I'm going to keep this party moving. The fifth thing, the fifth thing that causes passion or spark to Extinguish is unresolved conflict. This is going to hit somebody today. Unresolved conflict, meaning you situations out there that are unresolved. And so in the back of your mind, in the back of your heart, you're constantly, you know, going about this life, thinking about unresolved conflict with your family, unresolved conflict at work, unresolved conflict with that ex-spouse or ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, unresolved conflict that is starting to dim your light, that's causing your passion to be destroyed, 
Job 5.2 says this, resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. 18.4, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. Resentment, jealousy, and anger, if not dealt with, becomes permanent poison to your passion. Mm. You don't want to plant those seeds in your heart because those seeds are passion killers. You got to deal with unresolved conflict in your life. And be, listen, do it in love. And, and when you resolve conflict, it's not always a two-way road. What that? You can forgive somebody before they forgive you. If somebody else has done you wrong, you have to forgive them and let it go in the name of Jesus. Otherwise, that seed will start to grow in your heart, and that seed becomes dis discontentment. That seed becomes bitterness. That seed starts to kill your passion. And that's what it's supposed to do because it's not of God. The sixth passion killer is this, an unsupported life all alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity is the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This lifestyle of being a disciple of Jesus needs support from the body. We are in this thing together. That means when you are going through things, we all are going through things. When you are upset, you have a family. Listen, this family don't have it all figured out, though. This family doesn't have it all together, though. But King Jesus, who's the center of the family, who's the head of the family, does. And together, we seek him for the answers. Do you all understand that? I don't have all the answers. Your neighbor don't have all the answers, but he does. And so no matter what you're going through, we can lock arms and go through it together. Doesn't matter how hard you fall. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what mountaintop you're on. We, we in it together in Jesus' name. And so you, you should never, listen, you should never come to this church and feel like you're all alone. If you feel that way, you're probably believing lies or you're keeping it all to yourself. And you're not telling nobody what's really going on, thinking that you're going to be judged. Well, if we started to tell everybody stories in this room, you'll realize that you're in the right house. Amen? You realize that, hey, you, you just with a bunch of brothers and sisters who constantly have been through some things and constantly go through th some things, that's the reason why we need to be supported. That's the reason why God put you in this family. And the last thing is this, the seventh, seventh thing. It's like a fire extinguisher. Is an undernourished spirit. An undernourished spirit. I remember when I was young, this is a long time ago, I used to watch TV late at night. And how many of y'all like to fall asleep to the TV? You don't even gotta say. You just fall, I, I like to fall asleep to the, to the TV. And back in the day, like after two or three in the morning, I'm talking about so, so, so old school that the channels used to stop at a certain time. And like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like two in the morning, like, Regular broadcasting would stop. 
And then you know, they always try to sell you like these crazy toasters or these other, these other things. <laughs> but, I, but I remember like way back in the day seeing these young kids in Africa with these bloated stomachs and flies around them. And it was like World Vision or, you know, all these different companies and, and ministries. And they were asking to send money. And I, and, and I, was, I was scarred with the imagery of malnourished children. I was scarred watching these kids, you know, like literally have nothing to eat. To the point that when I got into ministry and I wanted to go to these really broken, desolate places. So God started to send me to places like Haiti and we were going into the mountains and these villages that literally don't have any power, don't have nothing. One village I was in, I was the first white, like everybody got scared because they'd never seen a white guy. Then God took me to, you know, African continent and, you know, I got to visit different places and I just had a heart for the broken. I had a heart for those that are malnourished. I had a heart for those that didn't know Jesus. So God took me to the poorest of poor. Kids eating like literally dirt mixed with macaroni. And we live in a nation where we have an abundance of everything. We got it all. We, we you know, we can, we can. And yet the source of it all. Jesus, we put on the back burner. I'll never forget, I was in one, I was, I was speaking at this, at this church that they had to use a generator to put the lights on. And I gave this message, it was about 30, 45 minutes. People are so. There was a translator. So about every five words, they had to translate it. And I did this altar call. We prayed for folks. And I said, thank you for having me. The pastor walked up to me afterwards. He was like, is that it? And I was like, what do you mean, is that it? We, we literally did an hour and a half service. And he's like, people walked all day to come listen to you guys. People walked for 9, 10, 12 hours to come listen to you guys. Actually, it's already dark out, so they're not going to leave until the morning. And I had to step back and I was like, what do I say? Because I was done. We were done. And what I realized was, we over here trying to minister to other people that have nothing, but yet they're the ones that need to be ministering to us. Because I realized as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, as a leader, as an evangelist, that my spirit was malnourished. I'm over here trying to give them something, but they were really giving me something. And now my responsibility as your pastor is to keep you from experiencing that. Keep you from your soul being 
now I'm nourished. Now I can give you the scriptures. That's why we put a lot of scriptures on the screen. I can give you the food, but you it's like, it's like going to Publix, right? I can fill the cart up, but you actually have to take it home and cook it for yourself. This is where Ephesians 4 comes into play. It talks about equipping the church for the work of ministry, right? We're here to, to mature you in the things of the Lord, but you actually have to take part of that thing. You actually have to start to apply it to your life. You actually got to learn the word for yourself. You actually got to cook up the recipe for yourself. I love Colossians 2 says, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. I love that. It says keep it, meaning it's not automatic. It's not like once you have it, you just always keep it. No, that spark will die if you let it. That passion will die if you let it. You got to do something to keep that thing going. And, and fervor means a boiling over. Paul basically warns us to not to become lukewarm with our passions unto God. You got to keep that spark. Keep that spark. And so I don't know where you're at in your passion level with the things of God, but I just want to pray for you today. Is that cool? I believe Holy Spirit is going to cause a spark in your life. I believe Holy Spirit's fire is going to start to burn in your hearts. You're going to make a major, listen, a major impact in this city. Together we are going to do it in Jesus' name. And listen, but you got to step in by faith into what God is doing. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, God, for your amazing children. Thank you, God, that your word nourishes our soul. And when the enemy is trying to extinguish our passion, I pray that the spark of Holy Spirit do something in our hearts right now. John says that he baptized with water, but there was one coming after him who baptizes with Holy Spirit and fire. So I pray that that fire baptizes us afresh and anew, God, right now in our heart of hearts and in our minds. King Jesus, do what only you can do right now. And if there's somebody in the room, you'll be bold enough to say, I've been letting the things of the world diminish my spark. I want you to lift your hands up. All over the room. I thank you, God, for your children that's brave enough to say that that's them. I pray that, you, that your word causes them to go forth in power, causes them to forget about the old and focus on what you're doing now. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Man, what a powerful message. We want to thank you for tuning in. I hope that this week's word blessed and encouraged you. God is doing some amazing things in our community, and we're so glad to have you be a part of it. If you're new to our ministry, we would love to connect with you. You can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash connect and fill out the information so that we can stay connected. 
Also, if you would like to give to help support our ministry, you can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash give. Thanks and God bless.